Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cosmic Navigator Astrology Show. And today I'm at uh, Palm Spring, and we have a beautiful thing today. We actually have a birthday celebration to one of the most important people on this uh, planet, the history of the planet. And I'm talking about Siddhartha, who later on was known as the Buddha. Today, according to tradition, the full moon in May, he was born, he attained enlightenment, and he died. It's literally an arc of a, a hero. He was born, that's the beginning, the inciting incident. Then the second act was the act of his enlightenment, and the third act was his death at the age of 80. Apparently, according to tradition, he was uh, invited to a feast and he could tell that one of the dishes was actually poisonous mushrooms, they suspect. And before his student um, ate it, he took the plate and in order not to offend his host, he ate it himself, knowing that this will be his last thing that he ever eats. And then later on, uh, he found a place that he would want to sit down and die. And an hour before his death, uh, according to his student, he sat there, meditated and drifted into death. So today is a very auspicious day. Not only we have the full moon in Scorpio during the period of May, which again uh, shows us that this is today's birthday, the Buddha's birthday, but also this is an eclipse, which is basically his birthday on steroid. This happens every 19 years or so. So again, if you really want to understand what are the processes that we are going collectively or personally, you have to go back to 2003, see what was going on there, 1984. Basically, every 19 years, we experience this situation, uh, this full moon uh, in um, uh, Scorpio. Now, it is an interesting full moon. We'll talk about it. It is a very powerful eclipse. And it is considered to be a south node eclipse, which uh, doesn't sound very good. Um, south, you know how they say something went south? I don't know why they say it in English that something went south. Because in Hebrew, for example, the north is considered to be inauspicious. But never mind. And the reason why, by example, in the Bible they say that out of the north will come the calamity is because if you look at the history of Judea and Israel back at that time, I'm talking about the first millennium, BCE, you see that the armies of Babylon and the army of Assyria and the armies of Rome all came from the north. And the reason why is because the easiest way to conquer Jerusalem was from the northern side. So that's why they say that from the north will come the calamity. Anyway, when something goes south, at least in English, not the best thing. And we have actually today an eclipse that has gone south, meaning that the south node is in where the eclipse is. It's in Scorpio and the full moon today is in Scorpio. And to make it even a little bit worse, not that I'm trying to be, um, you know, a, a terrible prophet, it is uh, the moon is fallen. So when the moon is in Scorpio, it's considered to be the worst place for it to be. Therefore, it is fallen. The only difference is that the full moon is happening during Taurus and Taurus is, it gives exaltation to the moon. So we have like this very interesting dynamic of forces, really auspicious one and very, very dark one. We're talking about the flower full moon. If you know the tradition in the Northern Hemisphere, the full moon in May is considered to be the flower full moon because the flowers are now in full bloom. We are now in the fixed sign, meaning fixed sign always happen in the middle of the season. And in the Northern Hemisphere, we are experiencing 
spring and therefore the flowers spring into action the bees are very busy the instincts insects are busy and life comes uh, at us full colors full scented so this is why taurus rules the five senses so now we are at the peak of this beautiful mountain climb uh, called taurus the other thing is that if you're in the southern hemisphere and if you are next to foliage, you will also see the beauty in nature. And the beauty in nature is when the leaves change their colors from green uh, into orange, red. So even in the southern hemisphere, you can say that this period of May and also of course, in October for the Northern Hemisphere, there is something about nature dressing very beautifully, whether it's through the colors of the foliage or the colors of the uh, flowers. So anyway, very, very powerful time right now for us in nature, and especially today uh, at 6.30, now let's say 8.30 p.m. in Los Angeles time, which means 5.30 in New York, uh, which means um, that it is happening right now, kind of in UK or in uh, Europe, we are having the eclipse. We'll talk about the map of the eclipse and see where you can actually see it. And if you are in the United States or uh, in Americas in general, we'll talk about the, the places, um, it is happening today. So you can actually go and do some uh, moon bathing. We'll talk about it in a second. So first of all, I would like to uh, start off with... Well, I can't see it because the mic is kind of blocking my view. Uh, yeah, just a little bit of announcement. I'm actually going to be in New York at the end of the month. So if you want to do a reading in person, which is something we haven't done in New York for three years, you can just email me. And also I added uh, a class in New York, a pers in-person class. We're going to do uh, the power of your name. So if you are in New York, please join me. And in October, I'm going to come back to New York and do it Omega a weekend that will help you understand how to interpret your own chart. So we're going to do a very condensed weekend in Omega during the foliage in, in around the 14th. So it's going to be during Libra. And, and I actually checked on that specific day, there is a grand trine. So it's going to be very easy for you to understand astrology because it's a grand trine in air signs. Air is intellect. So we're going to talk about uh, how to interpret your chart the 14th of October to the 16th. So if you are around there, it would be great uh, to see you. And let's look at what is happening. Yeah, I wanted to start, first of all, with a quote from a politician. You know that I don't necessarily like politicians so much. Maybe I was one in a past lifetime and I just remember what it takes to be one. Um, and of course, there are good ones every once in a while. I don't know much about the prime minister of Bulgaria, the new one, Kirill Petkov, but hopefully he's a good guy because I'm going to quote him. And what I wanted to use, I think it's great for a T-shirt. And this is what he said this week. If the most uh, Russia-dependent country with the lowest per capita GDP in the EU can afford to stand up to Putin, everyone should be able to stand up to Putin. So if anybody had any doubts where Bulgaria is standing, uh, even though it's the most dependent country uh, on Russia and the lowest uh, per capita GDP in the EU, at least, you can um, learn from his words. And today, like I said, is a happy birthday. And it is also the, um, uh, like I told you, the full moon, the flower full moon. And it is the full moon of the Buddha. Uh, the Buddha was, like I said, a Taurus, a very nice Taurus. We'll talk about his journey at the end. Uh, and these are flowers, if you can see them, uh, from my garden. These are the roses that I always got very connected to, funny enough, from my grandmother. I remember my grandmother, who was born in Varna, 
uh, Bulgaria. And as you know, rose water, the best rose water in the planet comes from Bulgaria. There are fields and fields and there is a valley of the roses there. And my grandmother brought that love to roses to Haifa, to Israel. And I grew up smelling these flowers and eventually decided in my garden to have a few roses, even though they drink a lot of water. And that's why they grow very well in Bulgaria. In, in California, we have a little bit less water. In Israel, less water. But we keep our water for our roses because it's one of our favorite things, you know, like in the song. Um, so what is the news with um, uh, the eclipse and the combination of the eclipse and the uh, retrograde? So a lot of people emailed me hysterically. Some friends texted me or called me. What is going on? Because it is very difficult. The key word that I get from a lot of people is heaviness, a, a feeling of being grounded. Yes, it is a full moon in Capric in uh, Taurus, which is an earth sign. And we talked about it. It's a fixed earth sign. So it's not you're walking and hiking in the mountain. You're hiking with a lot of luggage and you're hungry and you're thirsty. That's the situation with uh, this eclipse. And on top of everything, you're lost because Mercury is retrograde. So we have Mercury retrograde in Gemini. In a week or so, it's going to move into Taurus. And now we are in the period of the eclipses. Remember the seasons of eclipses. It started on the 30th of April. It's not ending today because eclipse stories take about six months to un unfold. Or in this case, it's going to be more like four months. So we are talking about incidents and events and situations or maybe people you're not only having to deal with right now in this next two in the last two weeks, but it's something that takes time to reveal and to unfold. So that's why we are entering the eclipse season and it's kind of intense. The next season that we're going to have is between October 25 to November 9. And the eclipses are going to be again in Taurus, in, uh, Taurus and in Scorpio, but reversed, opposite. Um, so it's interesting to see what is going on right now in the news because I told you the news always represent what is coming from or, or the manifestation of the above in the below so that we can learn also as the manifestation outside as inside of us. So one of the things that was very dominant, at least in the United States, because I'm sure that right now in Ukraine, there is so many more terrible stories that are manifested even more powerfully because of the eclipse, but we don't know about it and we don't see it as much. But in the United States, we had a very sad incident in Buffalo, New York, yesterday, Saturday at 2.30 local time. A person who believes in what is called the Great Replacement, the feeling that we'll talk about it again. Actually, it's a kind of a theory that was developed and actually became very dominant in 2011 by a French writer and critic, Renaud Camus who popularized the phrase eh, le grand replacement. Eh, I'm trying to do it in French way. In 2011. Now, 2011 was the last time Jupiter was in Aries. And lo and behold, three days ago, Jupiter moved in, or five days ago, Jupiter moved into Aries for the first time since that eh, silly um, eh, phrase was actually popularized. So what is Aries? Fights, war, the feeling that um, there is not enough for everyone. The keyword is I am whether it's I am as me or I am as my race or whatever is the ideology. So the great replacement theory basically talks about how um, people of different colors are replacing the white majority. So 
it is interesting because in Fox News, especially uh, people like Tucker actually jumped on the wagon and started using this um, uh, idea of replacement theory and putting it in context of politics as if uh, the Democrats who are not only pedophiles, they're also bringing hordes of people into America so they can use them later on as uh, potential voters to replace uh, the pure white male um, citizens of the United States. So at first it was a fringe kind of theory. Nobody really took it that seriously. But since Tucker and Fox News started spreading it much more and giving it a little bit more of a sophisticated twist, uh, now one out of three Americans actually believe in this theory. So that's, you see what the power of mass media, especially when it's uh, held by people like that, uh, what, it, what happens. And we saw yesterday with the combination of the eclipse, which causes people to be a little bit more lunatic, uh, and the Mercury retrograde. Funny enough, this it's not funny actually, but the whole shooting was live streamed for two minutes at least uh, in Twitch. Tweets, Twitch, Twitch. Um, so it's again... We are now in the age of information. We are in the age of Aquarius or entering the age of Aquarius, which the tarot card of the age of Aquarius is an antenna. So everything that happens to one person happens to everyone. So again, very, very sad. And also another thing that was really interesting this week is what happened with Twitter, that the deal is on hold. The stock market went down. Why is it on hold? Because supposedly he suddenly discovered, Elon Musk, that uh, there is more than 5% fake um, handlers in uh, Twitter, which is something that everybody knew. I even knew it. So I don't know why suddenly it became so important. But again, it's the combination of um, the eclipse and the combination of the Mercury retrograde. Another interesting thing, again, on Fox News is that um, Hannity, you know, he's the second most popular show, I think. So he's trying to be the first most popular. So he showed a photo uh, and that he pointed out very angry about um, how there is boxes there uh, behind him that's from the border that are sent by the Biden administration to uh, the South to deal with, again, the replacement theory with uh, people not from America. America to give them baby formulas while the people in America or in the United States don't have any baby formulas. There's a sore shortage now happening with that. Again, very Mercury retrograde. And when actually real investigators, not like the ones on Fox News, actually looked at the label of these boxes, the label were NIDO, which uh, basically uh, even the maker of these boxes, uh, Nestle, actually said that these products are intended for children one year or older. It's not baby formula. It's basically a wrong photo. Again, I don't know if it's Mercury retrograde or basically lies and misinformation. We already know that Fox News is kind of, that's their brand. So how he described it as pallets and pallets of baby formulas at the border among, among the shortage here. And when I did some research on it, by the way, a lot of women have a really good solution. That's something they don't talk about in Fox News because they just want to show the problems. They don't want to show solutions. So the solution that women came up with, at least if you're in the United States and you need baby formulas uh, because you have a baby, um, you can actually go to Amazon in Canada. So if you just go, uh, go to Amazon Canada, and you do a, a and you you create some kind of a account there. You can actually get it to your door, doorstep within a few days. If you need it again, I checked on the formula uh, on Amazon. Not that I have a baby, uh, and it's there. So if you need it, don't look, don't listen to Fox News. Just listen to practical women who have solutions to problems. This is the boxes, by the way, and. 
Another um, interesting thing that happened, and I was part of this uh, Mercury retrograde, is that yesterday I got a few times an alert. You know how you get on your iPhone some kind of uh, emergency alert? Usually it's accompanied with a very intense sound. Uh, and it stops whatever it is you're doing, whatever conversation, whatever live uh, Instagram you're doing. And it said something like Chevy Chase Canyon residents safely evacuate your home and proceed to the evacuation site located in Glendale Community College parking lot B. I didn't know where Chevy Chase Canyon is. I didn't know if I belonged to it. Why did I receive it? Apparently, the alert was meant to be sent to a very small uh, community in Glendale. And it was mistakenly sent all over L.A. County again. Mercury retrograde. So you see that this Mercury retrograde, sometimes it's a little bit funny. Sometimes it's a little bit more than funny. Now, the eclipse. So I plan to go today uh, to actually see it in the observatory here in uh, Palm Spring. But the totality of the of the Lunar eclipse is taking place in 3.29 a.m. Universal Time. Or, um, yeah, universal time. On May 16, which is basically uh, tomorrow, but the night between tonight and tomorrow. So now, if you're in LA, it's going or in the west coast of uh, United States and Canada, you're going to see it at 11, uh, 29, sorry, 11.29 p.m. It will be in Eastern, um, in New York, in the east coast. And that means at 8.29, it will be in the west coast. If you are in, uh, and it ends around 4.53 in the morning on May 16, which will be 12.53 a.m. in New York, 9.53 in uh, L.A. Now, if you look at the map, for you guys who are on live Instagram, if you go to my website, it's on the uh, on my uh, profile, you'll be able to get, or if you sign in for today's Zoom, uh, you'll be able to see the images that I'm sending, just if you want to be part of our, um, if you want to get the image and the recording of this, of the show later on. But what I'm looking at and and you guys on Zoom can see is a map of the world and to see where the entire eclipse is visible. It's going to be visible in Latin America, in uh, South America, uh, in Central America and the southern and central parts of Mexico. Then as you start going um, ah, and also it's going to be completely viewable in the central to eastern part of uh, Northern America. So you're going to be able to see it, let's say from Mississippi eastward you're going to be able to see the full extent of the eclipse the only problem is it's not going to happen during the night so it's not as visible if you go towards uh, northern mexico baja california if you cross over to um, the west side of united states you will be able to see it Uh, it's um, some total eclipse is visible but you're going to be able to see it pretty well because it's going to actually happen at night New Zealand also the same thing, but we're not going to be able to view it in Asia and in um, in Australia. So those are the in Africa. It's going to be more in the western part of Africa if you're there. So again, it's going to be visible. It is a total lunar eclipse. I told you 2022 is interesting because the eclipses that are visible or total are the eclipses that are lunar, meaning that this is a year of a completion of a process. Because the lunar eclipses are total. And that means a total completion. It's a feeling that you're standing at the top of the mountain. You can see the holy land. You can see your promised land. But you still have to get out of the go down the mountain, cross the Jordan River, Jericho, etc. But at least you can stand at the top of the mountain and see your destination. 
you know so there is something very powerful about the lunar eclipse it represents an end it represents a completion it represents a graduation of some process the thing that makes this eclipse a little bit more dangerous which like we saw in the weekend a little bit more scary a little heavier is because a it is in scorpio so when you have a full moon in scorpio the full moon is fallen meaning that it is dragging us down in a sense so that feeling of people experiences heaviness is because the spiritual gravitational forces if you can call it are downward are taking us really down because a scorpio is ruled by hades by pluto and pluto is the lord of the underworld so that no wonder there is more activity in the underworld i'm sure there's a big huge full moon party taking place down at hades or what the bible will call sheol or what the greek will call the underworld right so there there is a lot of activity what is the underworld the subconscious, the unconscious, the shadow, according to Jung, everything that we push aside, hide, deny. And in this age where there is so much misinformation and disinformation and people having alternative truth and alternative lies, the underworld is already overpopulated. You know, it cannot contain any more nonsense. So that's why it's kind of bubbling right now. It's like not only a swamp, it's a swamp that it's kind of like stinking and it's dragging everybody in. So again, the full moon already in Scorpio is difficult to handle because it is a full moon that is fallen. And I'm kind of uh, able to talk about it because I have to admit, and it's a little uh, a clause that I have to reveal, my moon is in Scorpio. So I am very much aware of the qualities of the full moon and the new moon and any kind of moon in Scorpio. It ain't easy. So the Scorpio energy talks about intensity, transformation, but it's also the energy of the occult and the wizard and the witch and the healer and the transformer. So what is happening right now? We are revealing our true nature. We are uh, taking off our masks. We are exposing ourselves. So you see, like what I told you, the ability of um, somebody to unmask the nonsense of Hannity or the nonsense of the replacement um, um, theory and what happens when these kind of things are spread around and they start sprouting. So again, you'll also see that this kind of idea of the replacement theory and people shooting each other because of that is going to become more and more uh, for example one of the in the manifesto of this, this guy that killed 10 people yesterday he actually said that he was inspired by the incidents that happened in new zealand a year ago or two years ago when way more people were killed in the church so again you will see this kind of thing spreading around because of this idea of um the darkness that we represent now with scorpio so again it is about revealing your true face seeing who you really are it is also a very intimate full moon so it's not all negative the fact that some crazy people take it to the fact that take it to the point of killing other people that's because they were not stable to begin with and that they have some issues from before but for most of us we have to deal with things in a more civilized and more spiritual way so we deal with our terrorism inside of ourselves we don't have to project it and kill other people we're just doing it inside ourselves so right now inside of you there is a terrorist thought there is uh, some idea or some concept that's starting to shoot crazy inside of you right now and uh, afraid afraid that he doesn't have enough doesn't have enough light doesn't have enough love doesn't have enough money whatever it is 
So because the full moon is in Scorpio, it's already difficult. Because it's an eclipse, it's manifested much more intensely. Because it's a total lunar eclipse, it's a total thing. It's kind of like all or nothing period right now. So a lot of us are behaving in all or nothing mentality. And to make it even stronger is the fact that it's not only an eclipse, but like I mentioned before, it is a south node eclipse. Now, what does that mean? Always we talked about the nodes, they're opposite to each other. There is the north node and there is the south node. And those nodes represent where the eclipses are because the nodes are the moments where the sun and the moon and the earth are perfectly aligned. Thus, if there is a full moon and here it, this is the earth and we have the full moon hugging it, kind of like sandwiching the earth, they're positioned perfectly so that they block the light of the sun or the light of the moon, depending if it is a solar eclipse or lunar eclipse. So these uh, north and south node represents where the sun and the moon orbit intercept. The north node is, interception is above, and the south node is when it is below. So what happened with the North Node represents what we need to learn, what it is that we need to focus on in this lifetime, even in your chart. The South Node represents what you've already know, what you've already done. You already know it so well. You just need to let it go. It's too much of a habit. You know, it's too much. It's too familiar for you. It's too easy. So the South Node also represents some stuff that drag us down, that, that bring us back to old patterns. That's why the South Node is not considered to be very auspicious. Uh, for example, if you have a planet in your chart that sits on top of the South Node, or if you have a house, all of us have, that the South Node is occupying, then that place or that planet, you need to kind of release. Don't, don't do it too much. For example, if you have Mars on it, it means that you've been a fighter, a warrior, a leader in past lifetime. And in this lifetime, be careful of aggression. Be careful of not stepping on other people's toes. You know, just don't overuse your martial energy. You know, just chill out. So if you have Venus on top of the North Node, it means that you've mastered relationship in past lifetime. It's time to be more by yourself and it's time to be uh, more focused on practicality. So it really depends what planet or where your South Node is. But now what's happening is the South Node is in Scorpio. Therefore, if we have a full moon in Scorpio, it is a South Node lunar eclipse, which means that we are going back to old things. So that's why we have all of these uh, issues with racism and issues now with um, uh, everything that has to do with replacement theory, because come on, we got over it in the time of the fascists. Why are you back there again? Why are you so scared of other people that might look or sound or have different sexual orientation or different gender than you? So that is part of what the South Node represents right now in this lunar eclipse it brings in front of us things that we have done in the past and it's time for us to release enough it could even be that a friend comes back to your life or a lover suddenly shows up that is belonging to the old patterns and you might have to say you know what i don't think it's working for me anymore thanks for showing me what i used to like but i don't like it anymore and that's kind of interesting because it's going to be relating to what i'm going to talk about in a second as the last three temptation of um, the Buddha or Siddhartha before he attained enlightenment, it very much had to do, his whole journey of enlightenment had to do with negating his own fallen lunar uh, moon in Scorpio. Because don't forget, if the Buddha was born in the full moon in May, it means that he was a Taurus for sure, but it also means that his moon was in Scorpio. So when I've learned that, I said, okay, I don't have a problem with my moon in Scorpio. Before that, I was constantly thinking about ways to wheel myself out of that 
destiny of having the moon in the worst place possible in the chart. You know, it's kind of disturbing to just study astrology. And the second thing you're told is that your moon is in the worst place ever. So, you know, after I've learned from the Buddha that he had it, I said, okay, I'll take it. But it is, if you look at the temptation of the Buddha and his journey to self-realization, you'll see that it's very much marked by the south node or the moon in Scorpio. Now, one of the things that um, is most remarkable is that they say that the most beautiful way to, or the most beautiful place to look at the lunar eclipse will actually be if you are on the moon. So if you're on the moon, what you will see if you look at planet Earth today, you will see the Earth with the ring of red fire around it, like beautiful red orange. So NASA had the visualization, if you Google it or you can see it right now, if you're participating with the Zoom session, that you have the planet, the blue planet in Earth. Blue is mercy in the tree of life. And suddenly it has this beautiful red ring around them. Uh, which is very much severity in the tree of life. And when a blue uh, energy of mercy and the red energy of severity mix together, they create beauty, which is the heart in the tree of life. And beauty is ruled by the sun, which is kind of funny because the reason why there is a red ring below, or, uh, be, um, behind the earth is because the sun is there. And what we're seeing is the halo of the sun and the sun is the ruler of the heart. So we see this trinity, you can say, of the blue mercy, the red of severity, and the gold of a, the beauty of the sun. It's also interesting because the, astro the astronomers actually tell us the reason why there's going to be a red ring around the earth on the lunar eclipse is because what we're seeing is the combination of all of the sunsets and all of the sunrises that were happening at that moment. It is incredible when you think about it. You know, even though it's an astronomical uh, assertion, you know, made by an astronomer, it is so poetic. And I think that that's why science and poetry sometimes mix together, especially in modern physics, you see it a lot. And it makes sense because Pisces is the sign of poetry and Aquarius is the sign of science. And of course, Aquarius and Pisces have a cusp. They actually meet very close to each other, right? In the uh, 18, 19, 20 of February. So that's the cusp of poetry and science. And when uh, astronomers tell us that, uh, where was it? I think I had the quote. Yeah, it's from um, uh, Gregory Brown. He's the astronomer at the Royal Observatory in Greenwich, London. And basically what he says is that the light will be blood red from all Earth's sunrises and sunset reflected to the moon surface. You'll actually be seeing every sunrise and every sunset occurring around the Earth at once. All of that light will be projected onto the moon. So that's one of the reasons why we see the moon red. Because what happened is that all of the, like you saw in the picture before, all of those sunrises and sunsets that are happening behind the Earth, because the sun is behind the Earth, the moon is in front. So what we'll see from the point of view of the Earth is the moon red because it's reflecting back to us all of the sunrises, all of the sunsets that are happening on the planet. Isn't that remarkable? I don't know. Maybe I'm just like um, got really carried away when I was preparing it for you and I was thinking about, I don't know, maybe I'm lunatic, but I, the idea of sunrise, sunrise is associated with Aries, new beginning. Uh, sunset is associated with relationship, partnership, with Libra. And it talks about uh, beauty. So all of that energy of 
I versus thou, because Aries is I am, Libra is we are. So if you're thinking about a day that is going to be very dramatic for you in order to connect to your need to balance your relationship, to connect to a better relationship with yourself, or to even discover and find a relationship tonight, uh, if it depends where you are in the world, sorry, on this full moon, which basically will be in like eight hours or so, so you can calculate uh, from the time I'm recording this, you can sit there and meditate, and if you can look at the moon and see the redness of the moon, it's not blood like they tell us. It's basically the opposite. It's the healing of any kind of fracture because it is the sign of action, Aries, and the sign of peace, Libra, mixed together to create that red, which indeed is related to Aries, but it represents a new beginning. So on top of everything, to make this very auspicious today and somewhat scary is the fact that it's a supermoon. Why is it a supermoon? Because the moon is the closest in, its, in her orbit to the Earth. That's why she's going to appear way bigger than normal, very red. And in that way, it will be very, very powerful to do some kind of meditation today and focus on a few things. If you need to focus on things that you want to work on in your life, is first of all, if you need to shed anything cut away anything, break away from something, liberate yourself from something. This is great because the South Node, again, the release has to do with Scorpio. Scorpio tarot card is the death. So it is giving you the ability to kill things. Now, if you put the tarot cards together of what today's full moon is, you have the Hierophant, which is the interpreter of dreams, the rabbi, the, the mullah, the lama, the pope card, opposite to the card of death, which is Scorpio. So you have dreams, you have mysticism, you have even the tree of life, which is represented by Taurus, the Hierophant, the Buddha, and you have death and letting go. And you have this marriage between life and death, this da tango dance between nature and the underworld. So it is, again, very, very powerful time, but it is a time that you can focus on cutting away from things as well as invoking a relationship into your life that you might have had, not in this lifetime, but in past lifetime. So really pay attention to it today. Today is very, very auspicious. This is the chart of today's full moon, uh, April 16. It's actually in London, again, around... Um, um, April 16, yeah, so what we have is the moon and the sun opposite, wait, what is that? April 16, no, that's not the right um, full moon, that's the last moon, yeah, that's the, the moon, I'll show you to you uh, later on when we go the, uh, through the sign. What I wanted to do now is actually the signs, where you will experience this, um, uh, this powerful full moon today, this lunar eclipse. So if you're in Aries, you're going to experience it in two houses or two areas in your life. One of them is sexuality, intimacy, transformation. The other one is my money, my talents, my self-worth. And basically what it talks about is that you have to balance, because that's what the full moon are representing right now, two forces that are opposing. And the only way to deal with two forces that are opposing is not to go back and forth between them. That's lunatic, but to integrate both of them. So for Aries, and it's also for Libra, because opposite signs will experience it in the same way, what you're experiencing is the full moon in the houses of money and talents, self-worth, investment, sexuality, intimacy. That's for Aries and for Libra. They have to balance my money versus other people's money. 
my talents versus uh, your talents. So for Aries and for um, uh, Libra, the same thing. For Tauruses and for Scorpio, it is the most significant full moon in 19 years, or let's say in eight, nine years, because in eight, nine years, we're going to have the opposite. So anyway, in the next 10 years or so, it is the most important thing, and it relates to I versus thou. So the axis for Taurus and Scorpio is how much do I focus on myself versus how much do I focus on my partnership? How much do I, how can I be in a relationship and yet still have my own relationship with myself? Those are the things that Taurus and Gemini, Taurus and Scorpio have to work on. Gemini and Sagittarius have to work with the axis of service and mysticism. What I mean is, how much should I be actively serving people, working, uh, uh, focusing on my diet, on my health? Or how much should I retreat from life and focus much more on mysticism, intuition? You know, think about how these forces are not necessarily opposite, but complementary. So if you think about how sometimes in order to really discover yourself, or maybe let's say to cleanse yourself, if we're talking about diet, you have to refrain from doing things. That's the energy of letting go, not doing things. So in many ways, Gemini and Sagittarius, it's not easy for them because they're very social signs, is to learn the balance of silence and communication, action and reception how much you should do for things and how much you should back off and just chill out and relax. And one of the most important things for Gemini and Sagittarius in the next two days is to really take long times off and try to meditate as much as you can. For Cancer and Capricorn, it's more about love, children versus communities, people and friends. So for you guys, for um, Cancer and Capricorn, you might have some unruly kids or you might have um, somehow a conflict between how much time you should spend with your children or with your lover compared to how much you should spend with your company or with your friends. For Leos and Aquarius, it's more about home and family versus career. How much should I focus on my career? How much should I focus on home and family? How can I make my career more a feeling of connection to my home? Or how can I make my home feel more supportive of my career. So it's really all about home and family versus career. Sometimes it could manifest as father versus mother or issues with parents. And for Virgo and Pisces, it's much more about forms of communication, business. So it would be how much do I travel abroad compared to how much do I work within my own country. Uh, truth versus lies. So for Pisces and Virgo, it's going to be really trying to cleanse your life from any kind of inauthenticity or any kind of lies or people who are liars. And also it's my relative versus my partner's relative. So it could be some issues with in-laws. So that's in general where, for the different signs, the eclipses will actually fall under. And now uh, I wanted to talk about something that happened 2,500 years ago in Lumbini, northern India. Now it's in Nepal. I actually went to visit there in 93 or 94. And we're talking about an interesting thing that happened during the Axial Age. Remember, we talked about it quite a lot here, that during the Axial Age, around six. 700 BCE, 800 BCE to 500 BCE. A lot of things happened in the planet. We had Lao Tzu, Confucius, Confucius in, the, uh, in China. We had the Buddha. We had the biblical prophets. We had Pythagoras. 
working at the same time. It was a very powerful time of change and alignment uh, from religious practice that were always outside in ritual. Something came inward, inside. And one of the biggest a component of that axial age and most influential is definitely the story of Siddhartha. Now, it's really interesting because in the beginning of Siddhartha's life, there was a seer or a prophet, a Sita. Maybe he was an astrologer who prophesied that Siddhartha had a two paths that he could uh, work on or two paths that can unveil. Again, it doesn't take a genius. Obviously, he was born on the full moon. If you're born on the full moon and you can tell it if you look at your chart and you see the sun in one side and the moon opposite, that means that you're born on the full moon. You always have two paths that you can choose, the path of the sun or the path of the moon. And what happened with uh, Asita, he told the father of Siddhartha, listen, your son could do two things. One of them is to be a warrior, a conqueror of kingdoms and create a beautiful, powerful empire. Or he could be a sage, a philosopher and a thinker who will save millions of people. And of course, the father didn't have to think twice. It was obvious for him that what he wants from his little Taurus is to build a big empire. And for that reason, he deducted kind of wisely that if he's going to surround his little Taurus with only beautiful things and only uh, activate his five senses. Remember, Taurus is ruled by Venus. Give Taurus a Venus situation, beauty, good food, good smells, and that Taurus is happy. That Taurus doesn't care what's happening outside of the walls of the city or the palace. I'm happy with my five senses. That's why I always tell people with Tauruses, if you have a meeting with them, if you have a date with them, make sure that they've eaten well, that they're, all their five senses are satisfied. Otherwise, there is no talking with them. So he knew that he needs to create this island, this illusion, basically, in the palace. Everybody's going to be young and beautiful. You know, like what they're trying to do in Hollywood. Everybody's young. Everybody's beautiful. Everybody is happy. Uh, there is no minor songs to be uh, played in the palace and so forth. And he himself even dyed his beard uh, black. He didn't have a problem with his wife because his wife died giving birth or seven days after. So... He didn't have to um, worry about his wife getting older and he just had to dye his hair and pretend to be younger than his age, which is kind of an interesting metaphor to what is happening to us right now. Anyway, Saturn return came to Siddhartha and nobody can mess around with Saturn, not even Siddhartha and not even Jesus. If you remember, Jesus was baptized at the age of 30. He started his ministry there. I don't think it was the age of 30. It was probably 29 and a half, but the Bible didn't want to say 29 and a half or whatever. They just said 30. Right, but it's more round and nice. But really, I'm sure it was 29 and a half. You can go back to the age of 29 and a half. That's when an illusion was broken from you, and you had to kind of face the situation. That when people ask you, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" you're suddenly gonna have to say, "Well, I'm kind of grown up. What am I want to do?" You know. So that's precisely what happened to Siddhartha. He kind of got knocked down by his Saturn return. And what happened is that he asked his father to go outside of the palace and he witnessed death, he witnessed disease, he witnessed old age, all of those things that he was prevented from. So right on his Saturn return, he goes on his journey to discover the source of suffering and he promises never to return to society until not only did he find the reason why people suffer, but also how to overcome that, how to uh, um, release humanity from that problem so 
He goes on a journey. For six years, he deprived himself from everything. Remember I told you that Tauruses cannot function if they're hungry and if they're not comfortable? Well, he tried to go against his sign. And for six years, which is a long time, you know, it's almost like the seven year each in a sense. He tried to deprive himself from food, deprive himself from people until he met a woman who was walking, a young woman. Again, Taurus is a feminine sign. A, a woman that was walking there and she said, oh my God, you look terrible. You look young, but you look terrible. What, what's happening to you? Are you sick? Something he says, no, I've been like looking to find the suffering of humanity and I am trying for six years. And she asked, did you uh, find the reason for suffering? And he said, not really. And she says, how could you find why I'm suffering, right? If you're in the forest with your other uh, spiritual beings there or all of you not talking, depriving yourself from food, most of you are just men. How would you know what I'm going through and what is the source of suffering if you don't interact with us and don't be with us? And he thought, well, that kind of makes sense. But he was still afraid that maybe she is an apparition of Mara, the god of uh, temptation and the, the one that is holding the ego, right? The one that controls the matrix, controls the illusion, the maya of, the, of everything that exists. So in order to do that, he went to the river. And there is two tales of what happened to him in the river, which is, again, interesting. He's a Taurus, Mother Nature, but he still is a Scorpio moon, which is a water sign. So it needs to be by the water also. Something happens with the water. Otherwise, he doesn't, he can't tap to his archetype. You know, think about it like that. So what happened in the water, he takes that bowl of food that she gave him to tempt him to eat. And he puts it in the river and says to the river, if I am supposed to eat this, let this bowl of food go upstream against the laws of nature, right? Against Taurus. And I'll know that this is not um, Satan or whatever, Mara, and I will eat from it. And indeed, that's what happened. There's another story, which I like much more, that also relates to Taurus. And of course, through music, what happened is that Siddhartha is seeing um, in the river, that same river, a boat, a little boat, and inside of it there is a sitar teacher and a student. And the sitar teacher is teaching the student how to tune the sitar. And basically tells him if you tune the strings too tight, they snap. If they're not tight enough, there is no sound. You have to find the middle path. And that's when it clicked into Taurus. Again, Taurus is a Taurus, sorry, to the Buddha, Buddha Siddhartha. Siddhartha is a Taurus. Taurus is a, a, a earth sign that has to do with music. And he realizes that, that he cannot, I mean, tight himself or his soul to the point where it snapped, like what he did, or to be too relaxed and too comfortably numb. That's also not playing the, the strings of the heart. What you need to do is find the path in the middle, you know, no extremes. That's the path of compromise. And that is the teaching of the Buddha. Then he went under a tree, which is a body tree, which is actually a ficus religiosa, um, these are ficuses, ficuses that are not allowed to plant in many cities because their roots start getting into houses, which is kind of interesting. But if you can find one in nature, it's totally fine. The reason why is because the roots are very uh, shallow compared to other trees. But the interesting thing is that he sat there and basically he did something very similar to a story that we have also in the Jewish tradition of Choni 
Uh, he was name was Choni the Encircler. I think it's called something like that in Hebrew. It's Choni Magel, who basically sat down, drew a circle around him. He knew that God really loves him, and said, "I'm not moving out of here until rain comes." And rain came. Same thing did uh, Siddhartha. He sat under the tree and told everybody that is anybody. I mean, gods and so forth. I am moving until I understand the source of suffering and also how to overcome that. And for seven days. He sat there. He did not move. And of course, Mara came to tempt him and to try to dissuade him. And what basically Siddhartha wanted to do is get to that axis mundi, what is called the center of the universe, the place where the Big Bang emerged from. That own point, that the only point in the the universe in creation that doesn't rotate anything. Because remember, we are going around the sun, the sun is around the galaxy, the galaxy is around that center of the universe. It's actually in, uh, if you look at at, uh, constellation Sagittarius, you'll find it at uh, the center of the universe there. And he's trying to connect to that center, to be at one with everything, and from there to download the reason of suffering and how to overcome that. And he does that. He almost makes it happen, and then Mara sends his three daughters to tempt him. They're failing. And then he sends his armies uh, to try to tempt him, the temptation of fear. He also fails. At the end, Siddhartha, uh, Mara comes with... Uh, Last temptation, and that is the temptation of duty. He basically tells the Buddha, listen, it's very nice that you're sitting here meditating while uh, catastrophes are happening to you in your kingdom. You should be a prince. This is your duty. You should get up from your spiritual retreat here, leave this tree, and go back to your country and help defeat whatever armies are there and function as the prince that you're supposed to be. This is your duty. This is your, um, you know, message in this lifetime. Don't try to find the source of suffering. Now, why is Mara so concerned with uh, the Buddha's attempts to find the source of suffering? Why should he care? Well, Mara, think about Mara as the architect. He's even even considered to be like that. Think about him as the computer programmer, the the one that created the matrix. So as long as the matrix is functioning, he's getting all his power. He is the king of the illusion. If suddenly there's going to be a hacker, a spiritual hacker like Siddhartha, he will find a back door, open the back door so people can start getting enlightened and getting escaping from this uh, program. Eventually, people are not going to use it, right? It's almost as if Siddhartha is threatening to put a, a virus in the system. So Mara has to do everything he can to make sure that Siddhartha is not successful in opening that back door to his program. So he tries everything possible until the end. And then in the end, Siddhartha is feeling a little bit unnerved. For the first time, he actually is moving his hand. So what he does, he's moving his hand. You can see here, this is the earth witnessing mudra. He's moving his hand from his lap, his right hand, which is his masculine hand, and touching the earth. Remember, the earth, he's an earth sign. Taurus is a fixed earth sign. And basically what happened at that same moment in some tradition is that Mara is saying, you know what? Siddhartha, okay, if there is one person that can witness for your right to be enlightened, for your right to open that back door, no problem. I give you uh, access to that. What does Mara know? Now, Mara knows that everybody on this matrix belongs to him, right? He can't, uh, I can't come there and witness because I'm part of this illusion. 
I'm part of the matrix. A, an elephant cannot come and profess to the right of Siddhartha to attain enlightenment because the elephant is also part of the matrix. It's part of the illusion. So obviously this was like saying, okay, whoever wants to witness, but then not letting anybody do that. But because uh, he forgot, Mara, that Siddhartha is a Taurus, and as a Taurus he belongs to Earth, and Earth is his element, suddenly the Earth herself, Mother Nature herself, opened her mouth and professed to the uh, credibility of Siddhartha's journey. And she said that he has traveled for so many lifetimes and given of himself so many lifetimes. His duty was all-encompassing so many lifetimes that he is no longer here. And at that moment, he turned into light and he discovered, he tells us that the source of suffering is desiring things we cannot have. And therefore, he proposes many different, the Four Noble Truths, the Eight um, uh, Ideas of how to get out of that cycle of samsara. And that's the beginning of Buddhism. Buddhism, by the way, is not considered to be a religion. It is a philosophy or it is a system of psychology. So, again, this is the birthday of Siddhartha and the birthday of understanding that the real issue is whenever we desire something we cannot have. It doesn't mean that we have to be defeative. It doesn't mean that we can't ask for things or wish to work on things. But whenever we desire something so tightly, so strongly, and that thing cannot happen, that's when we have the source of suffering. So it's always going to be good for us not to desire things we can't have, but desire things that we reasonably can achieve and do it in small increments. So that is a, what we're actually celebrating today. This is another um, example of this. Let's see what we have this week. Um, I wanted to see what we have uh, in the next few days because like I told you, these days are uh, intense to say the least. So what's happening right now, uh, we have today the full moon. You can see, let me get the full moon precise so we can see even what is the um, Sabian symbol. So if we look at the precise moment of the eclipse, it's going to be on 25 degrees, I think. Is it? 25 degrees Taurus. Yes, it is in 25 degrees Taurus and the, sorry, 25 degrees Scorpio. And the Sabian symbol is, what is the Sabian symbol? Indians making camp. Indians making camp. Hmm. It's kind of interesting because the shooting that was happening in upstate New York is in Buffalo. And there is nothing more of a symbol of Native Americans, at least. And that was their livelihood is the Buffalo. So it's kind of interesting. But Indian making camp, for me, it means Indians usually were nomads they were moving from one place to the other following the seasons following the buffaloes and making camp means that you are now in a place where after being on a journey for a long time after moving from one place to the other you decided okay i want to settle down so it makes sense because taurus is a fixed sign moon in scorpio is a fixed water sign it's kind of settling the energy right now and what we also have this eclipse which is very difficult and one of the reasons why we're suffering so much or most of us is because saturn is 24 degrees aquarius and it's squaring the moon and it's squaring the sun and that is creating this arrowhead arrowhead we call it arrowhead what arrowhead because it has, it's pointing at Saturn. Saturn is the peak of that or the tip of that um, 
arrow and the moon and the sun are like the are like the bow and the string so we're we're connecting to saturn energy very strongly now saturn and vesta and they're both next to each other and they're both very conservative they're very traditional so that's why there's a little bit of a pushback right now and the fact that we have the moon squaring Saturn and the sun squaring Saturn, it's as if uh, what we are experiencing in this full moon is the bad mother, the bad father. You know, like square always talks about conflict and struggles, especially with our past. So that's the one thing that's happening. The good news, though, is that Neptune and the sun are trining the moon, which means that there is something very spiritual and there is some kind of an awakening that's happening right now. And the sun and the moon are sending beautiful energy to the sorry, the Mars and Neptune are sending beautiful energy to the sun. What it basically means is that even if intuition doesn't come to you through your head or through your heart or however you get intuition, it might come through action, meaning that you might do certain things not knowing why you're doing it and retrospectively say, oh, OK, now I get it. Now I understand what I did. It was my intuition. So suddenly you're driving and you're not even noticing that you're driving away from where you're supposed to go. Wait, wait, wait. It's not a mistake. It could actually be a new direction that you have to take or it means that you're not supposed to go to where you went before. Okay, so any kind of mishap and mistakes, especially if they're drawing or coming from some kind of a feeling of, um, you know, like when you get, oops, did I uh, mess up something here? Because I had a weird sound. Let me see. No, I think I'm okay. Anyway, what I was saying is that if you're going through something and there seems to be a mistake, it might not be a mistake. It actually might be something that you're intuitively supposed to do. So, Pay attention to it because uh, that's kind of interesting. It's a good thing right now. But overall, it's going to help you in your meditation. So definitely meditate. So today uh, we have the eclipse. Let's move it to days. Um, tomorrow we have the moon in Sagittarius. The moon changes courses much easier when the moon is in Sagittarius. So wait, how did I get to Monday? Uh, Monday. So Monday... May 16. Ah, that's because uh, we moved the eclipse. Yeah, the eclipse is happening between the 15th to the 16th. Uh, and uh, tomorrow already on Monday, we are going to have that change into... Um, let me change this to 12 p.m. so it's not confusing us. And all the times I'm talking about is universal time, so you can always adjust it. So May 16, we have the moon in uh, void, of course. So just pay a little bit more attention to be a little bit careful. It's not a terrible void, of course. It's going to be just maybe a few hours, like uh, 12, 11, 1, 2, depends where you are on the planet. So that's not a good time to start anything. But anyway, this is not the best time to start anything. On a full moon, definitely not. On an eclipse, definitely not. On Mercury retrograde definitely not so if possible to avoid things that would be great not avoid life i'm just avoid things that are very very important after that what we have also now remember we talked about the last few days venus is on top of chiron a lot of wounds in connection to relationship that are surfacing so just to be a little bit more careful about that then we have uh, the moon moving into Sagittarius Tuesday and Wednesday it's actually a little bit better for traveling it's better for connection to mass media mass communication publishing all that that's going to be again much better and Mars is going to be passing Neptune so again Mars on top of Neptune can be a little bit tougher on the immune system lymphatic system and, and we start hearing it all over the world that the cases of uh Corona are starting to resurface and uh, and come back. So again, I think that once Mars moves away from Pisces, it will be much easier for us. 
Overall, uh, Venus is moving away from Chiron. That's much better. And the moon in Sagittarius is much more optimistic. It is happening on Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday. On Thursday, we have the moon moving into Capricorn. Moon in Capricorn is not happy, but it's very happy when the moon is in Capricorn and the sun is in Taurus. So what's happening in, the, in Thursday and Friday, it's actually great days to make things happen, to push things forward. We have um, the moon in Capricorn, very practical, very pragmatic, sending beautiful energy on Thursday and Friday to the sun to Neptune, uh, to um, uh, Uranus. It's also sending great energy to Neptune, great energy to Mars. So I know that the moon in, Taur in Capricorn is not the easiest, but again, because we are in Taurus, it's actually helpful. So Thursday and Friday are very good days to make things happen, to ground things, to cause things to move forward much better. Then Friday, we have an interesting thing. We have Pluto and the sun trining. We have the moon and the sun trining. We also have Pluto and Mercury and the moon in Mercury. It's again, very good. So Friday is a great day to get um, anything to do with business, art, communication, finance, money. Uh, all of those things work really well. So again, if you need to prepare things, you need to manifest things. Definitely Thursday, Thursday, Friday this week will be better. Saturday, the moon is moving into Aquarius. And we're also moving on the uh, 20, 21st, depends where you are in the world, into Gemini. So what we're going to have an interesting day on May 21st, on Saturday. We're going to have the sun, 0, 0 degrees Gemini. Mercury, 0, 0 degrees Gemini. So the sun is moving forward. Mercury is going backward. And they kind of clash together on Saturday. It's a day with a lot of insights. There is a day with a lot of access to your unconscious, to your subconscious, a lot of synchronicities, coincidences. So if you're wanting to hunt for synchronicities, definitely Saturday is going to be a great day for that. Um, and besides that, after that, we're going to have May 22nd, 23rd, I mean, more 23rd, the, the Mercury is going to retrograde into Taurus. Uh, that's much harder. So if you thought Mercury retrograding Gemini is difficult, no, Mercury in Taurus is way more difficult when it's retrograde. But we'll talk about that next week. So again, if you're a Gemini or if you want to join us on, the, on Thursday, I'm going to do a class on how to get along with Gemini and what to expect from Gemini. So you can join us uh, on the 19th. Uh, and again, it's over there in the chat. So you can read a little bit about it. Um, let's see if I have any questions. Um, T-square, uh, the, the release is Leo. Yeah, or children or to connect. Uh, Holly was asking or to connect to your inner child or connect to entertainment, performance, um, all that kind of energy. So anything to do with happiness and fun uh, is going to be very, very positive. Let's see. What energy should we give up if sun is conjunct the south node? Ego, anything to do with your ego. Um, how you define success, how you deal with father figures, that kind of um, stuff. I like to cultivate, cultivate, but I could look into growing roses. Yeah, orchids are great. Anything you can cultivate, anything you can grow is amazing. Just grow things, don't kill things. So thanks a lot for um, uh, joining me on this little journey. And um, I wish you well and hope to see you either in New York or in Omega or in Dreamtime. Have an amazing eclipse. Don't forget to meditate. Don't forget to look at the moon and respect the moon. And um, 
do some deep work of releasing. Again, thanks a lot.